0: If you're watching on YouTube, (laughs) we are in a new set, a new podcast. That's ridiculous. We're in my office in the new house. And I know we still haven't shown it because, as you can tell, we're kind of not moved in yet. I got one deer head on the wall, but obviously I need more than one deer head. So we are in my office in the new house, maybe where we're going to podcast for the next who knows how long. Yeah,
1: kind of checking out the audio, uh, seeing how... Just easy. We can make it all.
0: <laughs> yeah, easy is the key for she <laughs> no. If you're listening to the podcast, please email me, Austin, this is Homesteady. Let me know last episode versus this episode, which audio experience is better, because eventually we'll work out the kinks and we'll get the perfect podcast set up. Today we're talking about moving to Pennsylvania. We left everybody hanging, having just pulled out of the driveway of squash hollow farm the story really though begins a little bit before that
1: i have no idea what you're talking about the
0: tiny house dilemma
1: gotcha okay
0: (laughs) you're gonna say something (laughs) podcast (laughs) You need Um, to warm up. That was good. You did all that pistachio talk and all that
1: croissant, but then I had
0: to adjust stuff. (laughs) Uh, Have you noticed this is the first time we've ever podcasted while watching Honeybees? That is really cool.
1: This is nice. We have full-length windows in the house, so we can actually look out them and see stuff.
0: Yeah, it's been a while since we had normal windows.
1: Yeah, like... I don't think we've ever lived together in a house with normal windows, actually. Well,
0: Squash Hollow had normal windows. But not
1: in your studio.
0: But for a year, we have been living not in Squash Hollow and also not in this house.
1: <laughs> the story begins. Transition. Actually, many moons ago. When
0: we first found out we had a buyer for Squash Hollow Farm. It was kind of good news, but it was also kind of scary news. Mm. Because the truth was, we did not expect to have a buyer as quick as we did, and we had nowhere to live.
1: So you're welcome. That was
0: That was, as we said last time, your fault. (laughs) We were going to be moving to Pennsylvania. As we said in the last episode, Kay's dad offered us to take over the family farm. We decided to finally say yes after years and years of saying no.
1: That left a lot of details to be worked out because although our house was officially sold, we accepted the the buyer's offer, we had no place to move to in Pennsylvania because the house we were going to move into, my parents were still living there. And to maintain peaceful family relations, we decided it was not a good idea for us all to move in together. We're German, <laughs> Eastern European people. <laughs> we need our space. <laughs> All of us.
0: I can make a World War II joke there, but we'll keep moving on.
1: That's probably never a good idea.
0: The <laughs> So we had this dilemma that we had to solve. We needed to figure out we no longer were going to have a house in Connecticut. We also didn't have a house to live in in Pennsylvania, and we're not big fans of living in hotels for extended amounts of time.
1: The, the complication was animals. It would have been fine to rent an, a small house or apartment for us while they were building their new house. But then what do we do with the cows and the goats and the chickens and the ducks and the dogs and the cats?
0: As many of you know, we take a long time when shopping for livestock. We try to find the very best livestock we can. We've waited a long time for our dogs, our cow we waited for. This is livestock that we can't just like get rid of on Craigslist and then find here in Pennsylvania. We were not gonna get rid of the livestock and we were not going to rent a farm for a year. So we needed to find a way to live on this property and that's when we came to this audience with two ideas. The audience here on the podcast, no. The audience on YouTube, yes. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Again, sorry to leave you guys out for so long on the podcast. We told you we were going to be moving here. We didn't have a house because, Do we say what your dad was going to do?
1: He was building a house on the farm property. Something a, a little smaller and a little bit more age friendly for them so looking forward to the future wheelchair accessible one level bathrooms hallways everything just just more for when they get older that they'll be comfortable in that was his goal he's a he's a planner but that
0: takes time yeah building an entire new house
1: especially because it was one of the wettest spring summer fall in pennsylvania i think in history
0: you know how they say when it rains it pours well today at our homestead when it rains it floods let's talk about that
1: Was one of the wettest spring, summer, fall in Pennsylvania, I think, in history. Which we didn't know was coming. (laughs) No,
0: but we did know at least it was going to take at least six months months to put up a house. Little did we know it would be longer than that. But we needed to figure out where could we live quickly, and we came up with two ideas. Option A: Life in the round. (laughs)
1: Life in the round. This is actually an idea we had years ago when our son was born. And the apartment we were living in, the house sold. We were going to build a yurt. That was a Like a dream of ours for a long time was yurt life.
0: A dream I don't think we'll ever see to Mm. fruition. If you don't know what a yurt is, much like your dad didn't, at the time we pitched the crazy idea that we were going to move his new grandson into a A basically a tent.
1: A yurt, he said.
0: A yurt is traditionally a building that comes from Mongolian peoples out in the steppes of Eurasia. They make these circular canvas tents with kind of a dome top. They're easy to set up and then they're easy to tear down and they can move them around the Eurasian steppe with their family and their animals.
1: Yeah, for nomadic living.
0: Nomadic living, so easy to set up, easy to take down, not too expensive, and it's very popular in the homesteading world. Most of you probably know exactly what a yurt is because comment below on YouTube, most of you have probably at one point in time wanted to live in a yurt. (laughs) Yeah. You know you're out there.
1: It was... One of our options, because (laughs) it was an option. It was one of the options. It was one of the options because of the ease of site prep, kind of construction, and uh, you know, you could really retrofit it to be what you need for your family.
0: It wasn't the only option.
1: Uh, Option number two was a thousand square foot space above a pole barn on the property that was unfinished basically just it had electric and that was it.
0: We came to our audience on YouTube we said, "Hey, we want to know what you think. Pros and cons. Are we not thinking of certain things? This is very new. Last couple days we've been talking about these two ideas. Do we go yurt? Do we go apartment building? Leave us in the comments below pros and cons you can think of to both. Help us make this decision. Choose your own adventure.
1: Bless well, if save- anybody out there has done either one of these things please let us know.
0: Yeah, if you've lived with a family of six... What would you do? What would you do? How many kids do you have and then what would you do? (laughs) Either way it's going to be interesting but it's only going to be for about five months ish through the summer.
1: Yeah, you know how construction goes though it could easily be longer than that.
0: Not going to be too hopeful about just five months, if it's six or seven, okay. It's gonna be perfect, but nothing ever is.
1: My parents are lovely people, and I'm sure they'll try as hard as they can to finish the house.
0: They watch our videos. (laughs) There were pros and cons to both. Hmm. A lot of people like the idea of the yurt. It's beautiful and scenic and different. When we moved out of the yurt, we could use it as like an Airbnb or a guest place for people to stay in if they're coming to visit us. And it's a yurt, so that's just kinda cool. Yurts yes. are fun.
1: Which way were you leaning? Like
0: Again. Personally. Yurt's been like a dream for us. I know. Which is funny. <laughs> it's so silly. But like yurts have kind of been a thing we've wanted to do for a long time. I think I wanted like someday I want to live or build a <laughs> yurt. Someday. I don't know. But I knew practically the yurt was probably not the right decision for us
1: for a few reasons we also wanted to turn the the tiny the tiny apartment above the pole barn into a guest space someday as well and a studio space for austin to use a yurt would never have had that kind of room to be able to have the yurt be a guest space and a studio space right
0: The largest yurt you're generally going to find, the uh, Colorado Yurt Company was one of the companies we were looking at. They have a 30-foot-around diameter, basically a 700-square-feet yurt. But again, yurts are round, and so you lose a lot of usability in the roundness. you got to kind of design to a circle, which is one of the cool things about the yurt in, in... Yes. You know, when you're waxing poetic, but when you just have a big family and you need a lot of functionality out of a small space, uh, Mm. I think pretty much out of the gate we knew the better option was not the yurt. It was the fact that there was already this building built that we could just move into. Yeah,
1: there was a structure already there. Uh, Another reason is just yurts, like when you buy a kit from a company, they don't end up being super... An expensive option.
0: The big one, again, the 700 square foot yurt, I looked today, if you were to get a 700 square foot yurt up on a brand new property, Mm -hmm. right, you just buy the kit, you get insulation for the walls, insulation for the roof, I also checked for the wind and snow package. Yeah,
1: we would need that here. So here
0: here we would need wind and snow, we would need insulation for roof and walls, and the big 700. So that kit just right out the gate is 16000 and change.
1: Mm.
0: That doesn't include site work, so you do have to prep a pad and probably build a platform Platform. to put that onto. And then you also have to, if if you're going to live there a long time, you're probably going to want some form of electricity, some form of plumbing some, with definitely some heating, other than maybe you could do a wood stove. But the fact is the yurt, other than a cheap shell, is not that much cheaper than a small building or tiny home if you're going to make it, you know, have electricity and plumbing and all the things that you want if you're a large family for what turned out to be almost a year for us. Again, some of you watching or listening are like, "I love a yard. I would love a yard." And so, for those people, sure. But that's true. It's not a, the lifespan on a yard is not like lifespan on a pole barn, and, a right. hard stick-built building.
1: Now, if we were, I would say, if we were moving onto this property from scratch, there was no house. We knew eventually we would get into the house. So, how much we put into our temporary? living really helped us to decide to go for the apartment because with the yurt even if you look into solar because we were going to do solar <laughs> electricity right you're going to heat with wood or and then yeah, the, we the into plumbing like do you do composting compost, toilet there's toilet. so many things that go into it
0: yeah
1: that really would have been over our budget for what we had to put towards temporary temporary housing because that stuff all has an initial cost solar all that stuff (laughs) more than you expect it to
0: if you're thinking about moving on to a homestead and you're trying to make this decision like yurt or do i put up a small cabin or building i i don't think yurt is the solution to most people's problems because of the nature of it having a short lifespan If you're going to use it seasonally on a property you don't yet live at and you're just going to camp out for the summer and you're not worried about plumbing long term and electricity, then sure, it could be a nice way to have like a vacation place that might someday you build a house on. But for what we needed, which was really a home for almost a year for a large family, we didn't want to do the off-grid thing. We didn't want to do like, you know, pooping in a bucket. I, I think for us, we realized... There wasn't much savings to a year, and it was it didn't make sense.
1: Yeah, that's how we decided to go for the, the the tiny house, the tiny apartment above the pole barn.
0: We decided we were going to build a tiny home in the upstairs of that pole barn. The shell was already built, and it was already insulated. It already had electricity. It was really hard to justify not taking advantage of all that right so we dove into
1: plus the fact that it had multi there was multi functions involved there yeah the studio for recording also a guest space
0: yeah we figured after we moved out of the space we didn't want to spend a bunch of money on a space to live in and then just leave it empty and not use it so when we moved out of that space we could take advantage of it for a studio a recording studio for doing av stuff for producing home study We could also use it as a guest space. So it would work for all that and it would last as long as this house would last. Yeah. So the the existing building had electric and it was insulated and it had its shell. We had to do everything else so we could move into this space. We needed to the inside of the space finish. That was flooring, painting, electrical, plumbing... Putting in a kitchen, putting in a bathroom—it's
1: like making the anxious thing. Just about thinking it. about it, it. so much work.
0: <laughs> all in all, that meant we needed a builder, or to do some of the building ourselves. We did both,
1: right? Because we weren't here yet; we were still packing up everything in Connecticut, trying to get out of there. <laughs> And, and having someone work down here to get this space ready for us so we could move in when we finally moved out of Connecticut.
0: We had, I mean, we even had to come up with the design for it. We, so we designed the layout. We designed a couple different layouts. Once we picked the layout, we... I had to get the supplies and everything. Oh man, this thing's huge. Yeah. This is huge.
1: No. It
0: feels so much bigger than what like, I, like, what it looks it is on an eight by 11 and a half. Yeah. <laughs> it's always up, right? Oh yeah, nice. This is all your living oh, and nice. kitchen. On one circuit. That's AC, all ready to go, right? Yeah. Oh, and they're too beautiful. We took advantage of uh, some of your family's Ooh. supplies for building, right? Did we? we put in the kitchen from your grandma's oh, house? Oh,
1: right. So that was nice. There were so when we talk about the final cost of this, there were uh, things that we didn't add into the final cost because we got them at no cost, like the cabinetry or like your dad coming down and helping for the. For that week yeah that was valuable also you being able to do the septic installation yep
0: we did uh, I did all the work to attach the place to the septic and so between our own personal labor and then spending money on a builder while we weren't there buying everything finish everything we wound up taking this pole barn and putting in a usable living space Upstairs.
1: In the end, that project ended up costing around thirty thousand dollars to put in the apartment above the pole barn. <laughs> Brownie Hidden bite.
0: brownies.
1: Brownie bite.
0: The materials to convert that space was probably around ten to twelve thousand dollars, and then probably about eighteen, twenty thousand was on contractors to do. The electrical work, do the plumbing work, do the carpentry that we couldn't do ourselves. We did spend a week working here, but you can only do so much in a week, and we still had a farm back home to run. And uh, so, yeah.
1: Does it sound like we're making up a ton of excuses for why we like
0: spent so much money? Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, is no, it, a lot it's, of it money? is what we did,
0: is and we a have have lasting value. Nice. Uh, if you think about, we were there from June till April Mm -hmm. so that's 10 months three thousand dollars a month
1: that's a lot for rent for
0: rent (laughs) we probably could have found a place around here for a thousand a month
1: you think cheaper 400 400 (laughs) rent's pretty cheap around here. really 400 do you think for a house yeah
0: okay so we probably could have rented a place for for the whole time for about four thousand five thousand dollars yeah we didn't have to spend 30000 but we're not going anywhere. Now we have a guest space and we have a studio space, even though we're currently not using it <laughs> Right. because we haven't now... Well,
1: no, we've used it for guest space already. We
0: have used it for guest space, but we haven't used it... We're not using it right now for studio space because we have to set it up. Uh, looking back, it was a lot of money spent on this place, but... Now we have this space that we can use multiple functions for as long as we live here. So all in all, it was an investment in our homestead, not a cool yurt to spend <laughs> nine months getting tired of living in.
1: The funny thing was, we we thought of other ideas. My, my parents and Austin and I, we all were kind of brainstorming different things we could do. Could we put uh, an apartment in the basement of this house? Could they get some sort of mobile home, like a trailer, and, and park it at uh, another piece of the property? But cost-wise, the apartment above the pole barn ended up being the most economical thing to do on this property. So without, with, with us being here, moving onto this property, so we had the barn, For the animals, it was the apartment above the pole barn that won.
0: And so that's what we did. We talked about in our last podcast episode, we moved, we did the move in two
1: Phases. phases.
0: We came down here for the first move. We spent a week working on our future home in the pole barn. Myself, my dad came down and another buddy and the three of us helped the carpenter who was already here, actually two carpenters who were here, uh, work on the place. In one week's time, it went from this unfinished shell to- It
1: had walls.
0: Walls, flooring. Drywall. Drywall.
1: And started to put some cabinets in. The
0: bathroom was in.
1: Bathroom was in. The
0: kitchen was started.
1: Yeah, it was, it was kind of cool because compared to what it takes to build a house, right? Because yeah. everything, the structure was already up. It, yeah. In, in a week, it changed a lot.
0: We had a huge, like, our goal was to actually finish it, but we couldn't quite finish it in that amount of time. But we did get a real big chunk Start, taken yeah. out of it. And so what happened, that was in April,
1: The end of April. The
0: end of April. We then went back to Connecticut, finished packing up the rest of our life.
1: The rest of May.
0: And then we, at the end of May. Memorial Day
1: weekend. That's
0: right. We packed up Memorial Day weekend.
1: And we moved. We We did the final move out of Squash Hollow Farm to Pennsylvania.
0: And we left you on the last episode. We left you having just arrived. We didn't tell you what it was like. Day one. The first week that we moved in was...
1: Well... The apartment wasn't ready yet. Yeah, right. So, (laughs) Oh, that's
0: part of why we had to push back our moving date. Do you remember? Because we were going to move. Right, but we weren't ready. The week before before Memorial Day, Day, Day we we were going to move. And you called down here and you were like, so is the apartment ready for us? And your dad was like, we'll have a nice vacation together in our house. And we were like, (laughs) no, we won't.
1: (laughs) Even though we postponed our closing date, for a week, and we ended up moving a week later than we had, had anticipated, we came here and the apartment still wasn't done. There was still about two weeks worth of work left.
0: So that meant we had to stay with we your family. We had to crash here. For a couple weeks. and that, I feel
1: like it went well.
0: That went really well, because we knew it was temporary. temporary, and we just tried to not make a big deal out of yeah, anything. Yeah, we all tried
1: to be, I think... Make the best of a situation that we really didn't want to be in. Just living in such close quarters. With, with, with so many small children. Eight people, yeah. Yeah, it's a lot.
0: Uh, sharing bedrooms and that sort of thing. But it was okay. We did fine with that. The house finished up. We finally had this big ceremonial move-in day. We the moved into yeah. the new apartment. The design of that thousand square feet for six people had one bedroom, one bathroom. To share in that thousand square feet. So we all moved into the thousand square feet, one bedroom, one bathroom, and then we got sick.
1: We had a celebratory dinner at Chili's. And let's not go
0: bombing Chili's because, you know, I love a good molten.
1: And a third of us.
0: Triple got, dippers are great. <laughs>
1: a third of us.
0: We're triple dipping afterwards.
1: Got a stomach virus. That yes. is not fun with one, one
0: bathroom. bathroom. Three people, two people, three people with a stomach bug. So after having just moved into our new little place. For one night. We moved back. We
1: moved (laughs) back to the house with my parents again. (laughs) We're
0: like, sorry, we cannot share a bathroom right now.
1: It was kind of like there was only one bathroom. Plus there was no internet. There was no. Right.
0: There was no internet set up. We had it
1: hooked up. I totally
0: forgot. We had a real hard time getting the internet to the building.
1: So you were so sick. And you just couldn't stand being there with one bathroom, just like laying in bed all day staring at the ceiling. <laughs> like, <forget laughs> that's this. right.
0: You know when you're sick, you what do you want to do when you're sick? You want to like binge watch something on Netflix to take your mind off your misery. And we couldn't because we didn't have internet set up yet, and there was problems with Comcast setting up the internet. And we just, yeah, we just, <laughs> every day I was just laying there like,
1: I can't do it. I know,
0: I can't do this. I can't you lay You were in, in so much pain. Yeah, my my stomach was cramping and just, I needed...
1: You and our oldest son, they had it so bad.
0: So we came back. Yep, We moved back with your parents. And at least that way we could sit in the bedroom mm-hmm. with stomach cramps and binge watch. I don't even remember. What was I watching at the time? And this was just having moved. I mean, we weren't here for... A month
1: even. A month.
0: And suddenly we had this stomach bug go around. And it just... Yeah, it wasn't fun.
1: No. But then we finally did move to the apartment.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the stomach bug passed, and that's when we were like, okay, we can do this. We can do this. We can share one bathroom as long as it's a normal, schedule bathroom. <laughs>
1: so. For nine months, we lived in our tiny apartment.
0: And we got really good at sharing one bathroom among six people. We got really good at sharing one bedroom. It had its ups and downs. We did a really good video recently on the YouTube channel, a series actually, where we covered tiny living, how to do it as a big family, the ups and downs, a lot of the challenges that we faced.
1: Right. So we covered that tiny living, I think, pretty pretty exhaustively
0: yeah yep
1: what we haven't talked about was what it was like what it has been like with our first year on this new farm this new homestead
0: if you're going to be moving to a new homestead soon or that's in your near future that's the same thing (laughs) that one was better I'll use the other one (laughs) Bunny. we have fun If you're going to be moving to a new homestead soon, we have learned from doing this twice now some of the things that you want to do that first year and a lot of the things that you don't want to do that first year. So when we come back from our break, we're going to talk about your first year on a new homestead. What do you not want to do?
1: (laughs) And what do you want to do?
0: So we'll be back in a second.
1: I would have figured it out.
0: Yeah. Um, Do you want to do our commercial?
1: No.
0: You don't ever like doing the commercial. I'm really bad at that stuff. This episode of Homesteady is brought to you by a really good commercial voice that Aust uses when doing commercials. He pulls his inner car salesman and mixes it with a radio announcer to let you know that this podcast is listener-supported. We don't have ads on it right now. We might change that in the future. I guess this is an ad, but it's not someone else's ad. It's the listener's ad because you support the show. If you like the podcast and you don't want it to go away forever, you want it to come out once a month like it currently does, you can support the show by becoming a Homesteady Pioneer. The day you do, you will get... 20-plus bonus podcast episodes that are only available to Pioneers. You can click them with one click, boop, you get a zip file, they all download to your hard drive, and then you take all those files and you put them on your cellular device, and you enjoy listening to those like every other podcast episode, but only you and the other hundreds of Homesteady Pioneers we have now can listen to. So be in the club. Become a pioneer.
1: See, you're much better at the ads than I am.
0: I've been doing it a little longer.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I'm not afraid to get all pitchy. We have now lived on two homesteads. The first time we decided to homestead, it happened kind of more by accident.
1: Right. We didn't buy our first homestead with the intent of like
0: homesteading. Of homestead. no, you we wanted did it for intend like... chickens and hunting. Hunting. Which. Yeah. Some people's homestead is chickens and hunting. Like, that's a great homestead. So we kind of did, Mm. but we didn't know how much we were going to grow it. Right. We kind of bumbled our way through, like, seven years of building a homestead at the first place.
1: Bumble, for the record, is a great word. (laughs) It's It's a nice mental picture. It's such a, like, yummy word, this bumble.
0: We bumbled.
1: It's really, like, you can see that image.
0: But don't bumble your way through your homestead. (laughs) We're going to tell you three ways not to bumble your way through your first homestead. These are three things that you don't want to do when you move on to your... And it's hard not to do them, which is why we can make a video clip about this. Because <laughs> you're going to want to do this, but don't do this. The we did it. We, we did it. We made these mistakes. This is what we did. So. You can learn from our mistakes. Yeah. The first thing you don't want to do is show up to your new homestead. And
1: go crazy, like, throwing all this money at it to put in new infrastructure.
0: Yeah. What we did here for this last year, and what you want to do on your new homestead—we dated the homestead. We got to know it before we made any big life decisions with the <laughs> homestead. Huh?
1: I had no idea what you meant, but okay, date it. I yeah, like I thought you meant like take
0: it out for pizza.
1: It is April first. It is date. I should have dated.
0: No, you <laughs> want to date your homestead. You want to get to know it. You want to, you know, take it for a walk through the park and. Buy it a pizza and what going to you and a cool? I just want to have some just pizza. Buy me a pizza. And take a walk like a whole it's, pizza. That's all I really want to
1: do. <laughs> <laughs> Super romantic. Hey, How's your pepperoni? <laughs>
0: <laughs> take don't touch my pizza. Time getting to know this property. Take the time to get to know the infrastructure. Because even if you have experience homesteading, the new place is going to be very different. Mm -hmm. And if you have no experience homesteading, it'll still be good for you to take it slow. Don't build a barn right away. Don't run water lines right away. Don't put
1: in your permanent fencing right away. Don't cut down all the trees.
0: We know this because at Squash Hollow, the very first thing we did when we decided to start homesteading was all that. Cut down trees, we put up permanent fencing, We ran water lines. We then tore all that stuff out or moved it because we did it wrong the first time.
1: It was all in the wrong spots.
0: (laughs) We had big ideas, but we had not done any of it yet. And we didn't understand how the property was going to work the best way, nor what we were going to enjoy doing.
1: Right. And when we say how the property worked, we mean like where the water came through. Yeah. Where the best soil was, we kind of just jumped in feet first, and and if we would re- redesign that property in Squash Hollow, it would just it would change so much. It
0: would have been what we left. Maybe, similar. but it would have been similar to what we left.
1: Yeah, think of like the, the pig pad and right, no, right. pigs and stuff. Mm. Like we were before we decided to move here. We were in the process of kind of a redesign squash hollow.
0: If someone has never homesteaded, they're not going to know what we learned over those seven years. So for those people, you st- you're going to have to do something. Yeah. Right. To learn. But the point we wanted to make is just little bits at a time. Right. So don't jump into a huge, don't spend $50,000 on infrastructure because you're probably going to change it.
1: Right. So nowadays there's a lot of temporary things you can do
0: yeah and we'll get to that and
1: we'll get to that so what don't, you
0: should do but for don't now go just
1: permanent right away even on this property in pennsylvania where we've been coming seasonally for years right and you knew it mm-hmm. there were still things that you thought you would do when you got here that have changed
0: like one of the things you should do pretty soon when you move onto a property is plant your fruit trees and your fruit bushes and that sort of thing We could have done that last year. We were here for summer. We could have planted in the fall. Mm -hmm. But I did not want to plant anything till I lived four seasons here. The sun shifts. Where it rises and sets, where you get good sun in the spring is different than the fall. You can get an idea, you know, sun rises in the east and sets in the west. But you still might be able to really plan it perfectly if you just take some time. Mm -hmm. Other than sun, rain. Yeah. This year we had record rains. Crazy. You're not going to know what areas flood in a heavy rainfall. You might put up a whole fencing for a paddock for livestock and realize it is in the wettest spot on the entire property. It's a
1: swamp and you can't use it half of the year.
0: That happened to us here. We have never seen such a wet year. The barn flooded. It's
1: never done that before.
0: We didn't build the infrastructure, so it was okay. We didn't put money into something that was in the wrong place. But we at least got to live four seasons, and four kind of like extreme seasons. Mm -hmm. We got to get a better idea of how this property works. Finally, uh, slowing. Came back out to check on the barn. You can see here, there's a a big pond out there of water. You'll notice here, we do have really good drains in the floor, but it was pulling debris in so fast, it was clogging those drains. And that's why the water wasn't draining and it was just coming up in here. This has created so much work for us for the next week. This chicken run got completely flooded. You can see the chickens are standing in water. So we're going to have to scoop all that bad stuff out. We come over here to our hay storage side. This is the reason we wanted to get the hay loft clear. Because our hay right there has uh, now all the lower layers all gotten wet. Another don't
1: would be don't Get new animals right away on your new homestead. Now, you may be coming onto your new homestead with animals already. So, you know, you've had them, you're probably familiar with them and their needs. Keep them.
0: And we did say in the last podcast, if you're moving homesteads, that's the time to get rid of some of your animals.
1: Yeah, get rid of problem animals. Yeah. And, and low, or even once, low producers. Yeah, that you're not super into. So maybe you're moving on with animals already. Don't, as soon as you move in, decide like, hey, I've got this big field. I'm going to throw two dozen sheep out there.
0: Yeah, they'll mow my lawn yeah. this year. It'll make my <laughs> life so much easier because it won't. That's not what's going to happen.
1: No, you take some time. To set up your infrastructure first deal with the animals you have before you get anything new
0: and if you're a brand new homesteader you're so excited you've been dying to have chickens your city wouldn't let you have chickens and you just can't wait to get your first chickens on your new homestead if you have no animals It's okay to get chickens. Like, I mean, honestly, do what you want. But (laughs) our advice is: if you really, if you're brand new and you don't have any animals, sure, you can get a couple chickens. Yes,
1: because that's just—it feels nice to have something. something.
0: You've been waiting, you've been excited, so just get a couple chickens. But just a couple. Yeah. Don't get a dozen chickens and meat chickens too. And well, my chickens need a garden to scratch, so I'm going to do the garden too. And. Whoa, whoa, whoa! You give it some time. Just, just one little animal thing going on.
1: Have some tomatoes in a pot and your chicken. Yeah, yeah. Take it easy. Yeah.
0: Because what you're gonna find is your time will get sucked up by other things. Livestock should not be one of them when you first move on to the new homestead. Right. Think of like homesteaders from the 1800s, the original homesteaders. They needed livestock because they were going somewhere where they wouldn't have a lot of food resources. They had to feed themselves. It That's was not, still hard. Yeah.
1: And it was still hard for them.
0: Our, our nowadays, I mean, you can go to a local farm and buy farm fresh eggs. Yeah. So just take it easy on. Don't get a bunch of new livestock.
1: Speaking of farm fresh eggs, ready for this segue?
0: I like where this is headed.
1: Don't expect to make money right away off of your homestead.
0: Nice segue. That
1: was perfect. uh, And eggs, right? We've moved into an area where there is a lot of agriculture. People are selling eggs for dirt cheap.
0: (laughs) If you've never run a farm business, your first year, you're not going to make any money. We have run a farm business, a successful farm business, for a few years back in Connecticut. We had profitable enterprises, which is hard as a farm. We made money off of pigs. They were totally profitable. You're gonna spend somewhere around $100 per feeder pig, another $220 to feed and pay that pig. Uh, you factor in a little bit of infrastructure, and then also if you're selling if you have a farm business, you're going to want some form of insurance to protect you should something happen. So all in all, each pig that we raise costs us about $500 to bring to the point of eight weeks old, all the way to ready to go to the butcher. $500 is a lot of investment, but we charge for each of our pigs at a minimum of $800. And depending if we moved here and did the exact same thing we did in Connecticut we would have lost our bacon <laughs> because it's totally different here. What we would charge for a pig back home, people laugh when they hear the prices that we would ask people. So as an already operating farm who already had a business model, moving would have broke that business model. It would, The same business model would not have worked here. And that's someone who has experience. If you've never run a farm business, don't expect that first year to make any money. Expect to lose lots of it. <laughs> because running a farm business is hard even if you have seven years of experience doing it.
1: Yeah, it it just goes back to start slowly. You're not going to make money, <laughs> so just start slowly. So just kind of dip your feet in there and and get a feel for what you're doing instead of jumping in. And thinking like you get it, get all the animals, make all the the product, and sell it all and make money.
0: So it just shows you, it's hard to make money when you're new to an area. You got to find a good niche, and to do that, well, we'll get into what you should do to do that in a little bit. Uh, just don't expect to make much money when you first move onto your homestead.
1: And we haven't.
0: And we have not made any money.
1: Well, we yeah, we just had to make adjustments, right? Had to change the way we were feeding them. Oh yeah. Get rid of chickens. Yeah. Just had to change.
0: So we talked about like what you should do, what you shouldn't do. Did we? Now let's talk about what we should do. Should we get into that? Okay.
1: Make this a positive, right? Because people
0: are gonna be like, "Oh, you guys are the worst! You know, like, don't, 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 don't! You don't even kill goats." Those are the things you shouldn't do.
1: We have even more things what you should do. <laughs> we are we're, <laughs> we're happy, positive, positive people.
0: people. Homesteading hasn't totally broken us yet. <laughs>
1: Did you ever there see are that meme? what it was like the guy Ooh. in the middle of his cows in the field, of his beef cows, and his like w- waterers, like exploding everywhere (laughs) and it's like hold on to that dream that stupid stupid dream (laughs) amen brother you get you get a little hardened i suppose you get away from your idealism
0: i really think we will run a better second homestead second farm because this one we're building without idealism (laughs) yeah like we are super realistic Yes. About what to expect here. Yeah. So we're gonna build a better farm, because our first garden will not be an acre. Right. It'll be three raised beds, and then we will not waste.
1: Yeah. That space on a giant
0: garden. We're not going because we're not coming into here thinking we're gonna raise all our own vegetables. No, we're not. We're gonna do three raised beds. They're going to give us a few tomatoes. The kids will enjoy We doing will not them, get enough for salsa. <laughs> and they'll be nice looking. And there won't be many weeds in them because it'll be the kids' summer, you know. Yep, summer project. Summer gardening lesson. Yeah. So we'll have a nicer farm without all that starry-eyed idealism.
1: Optimism.
0: There are some things you should do when you move to your new homestead. Things
1: that we've been doing on this homestead. Because
0: we didn't just sit around for a year, not doing things. You're we have so been defensive. very busy.
1: <laughs> so defensive. Have I been on YouTube too long? Yes.
0: I'm already so defensive. So, you see I'm not it. lazy. I like working. I do things. I make money.
1: <laughs> we have regularly taken walks on our property. You have taken walks on our property.
0: The first thing thing you should do when you get on your new homestead every day, take a walk. Last week I spent about $300 on new shoes. (laughs) But not just one pair of shoes, I bought a bunch of shoes. And uh, this pair of running shoes was one of them. I bought them specifically because I knew what was coming here at this homestead. And uh, if you don't have a pair of running shoes, you might wanna buy yourself a pair. In today's video, we're gonna talk about a very important step to planning your perfect homestead, and it involves running shoes. Wake up early before work. Before your day really starts, you can tell I'm up here, I I try to get out here about six in the morning. Uh, Once you are at your homestead, you haven't bought a bunch of animals, you have plenty of time to plan, build the infrastructure you need, and get ready. Uh, Now it's time to observe. And that's what we get, walking around the homestead, flying drones, looking on Google Earth later in the day. We want to see how this property works as a whole. We want to see, are there areas of the property that are south facing that are warmer in the morning and getting better sun? Are there areas that are cooler, shadier, uh, maybe not good for planting, but great for livestock? We want to observe the plants on the property. What kind of trees are there? Are there trees producing fruit, maybe nuts, acorns? These are all things that you can use when planning your homestead. But you can't use them if you don't know they're there. And the only way to know they're there is to get on some shoes and take a walk and take notes and pictures. Take a walk, learn a new area. If you bought a one acre homestead,
1: take a walk on it.
0: Take a walk on it. If you bought a 100 acre homestead, take a walk on it. And every day see a different corner, a different hill. Walk one direction one morning and another direction another morning. Walk in the rain learn where the water flows when it's pouring.
1: Yep, watch watch the plants that are growing what times of year, which areas are boggy, which areas are dry. You know, when it's stormy or snowy, where's where's all that wind go? Where does that snow blow?
0: And whatever way we're kind of fortunate having the YouTube channel, we essentially keep a journal, a daily journal of what's going on here on this homestead. I can't tell you how many times We're planning something and I say oh when well what was it like uh, you know when the barn was flooding where was it flooding well let me go back to the video oh look it was right there okay we can change this here so you might not have a YouTube channel but that doesn't mean you can't journal in whatever way you like to journal if it's Instagram take a daily Instagram photo of something you notice about your farm if it's an actual journal if you like writing write a few notes each day after your walk Whatever way you can, capture your observations so that later on when you forget when you saw those things, you can go back to them. Because when you start really planning and start building infrastructure, eventually it's time to spend money and build permanent infrastructure. You'll want to know the areas you can't drive in in the spring because it's too wet. And where the snow drift winds up in the winter time.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, where you... You know, your animals won't be comfortable because it's so windy there. Where they'll need a three-sided shed to break the wind.
0: When we first... I (laughs) tried to avoid it. I was, like, going to be mature about that. (laughs) Our animals are constantly breaking the wind. So are our children. In fact, I've edited a few out of this podcast. You have. The... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, I, break the main <laughs> joke. I had an idea before we moved here of wh- what I was going to do to set up the fencing. And then I realized after living here for a month or two, the fencing I would have built day one would have totally messed up the road that we use on our UTV maintaining and driving around the property. If we had arrived and built that fence... We would have had no access road to anything. Take the time and get to know your property. But now you're probably thinking, I do have to do something, right? I have to right, fence if in you're my animals. Right, or... coming
1: on with animals like we were. So we took advantage. Nowadays, there are so many good options for semi permanent infrastructure if that's electric fencing, uh, netting, strands, solar, chargers, energizers for your fencing. That's all we did this entire year for our cows.
0: This is so funny. Why? This is one of those examples of things that we've learned over time. Oh, yeah. On our first homestead.
1: We, like, permanent everything. Permanent fenced
0: everything. <laughs> everything. We spent a ton of money on that uh, welded wire and woven wire fencing. And that was,
1: right, because that was in addition to what we, there were several rolls of it already on the, the farm, that we used. that we dug out of the woods that were all rusty, we used them. Um, even as far as fence posts, we got like oh, man. We, we salvaged metal. Um, I don't even know what they were from. Metal tubing. It was like we made it our fence posts. But we like permanent fenced everything. <laughs>
0: our, we we spent a year so, and so much all time. all the spare money we could scrounge on permanent fencing. You dug it into and the, the reason why. Honest reason why was because I was afraid to start working with electric yes, fencing. Yes, that's why. And not afraid, like afraid of being shocked, but kind of afraid to like be shocked. Were intimidated by I was it. totally intimidated by electric fencing. Mm-hmm. I had no concept of how it worked. Because
1: we bought that one and it took years for you to install it. Years. We
0: bought one that was on sale at Agway and it sat in our garage while I slaved away putting up woven wire fencing. If you're afraid of electric fencing, because you watched Jurassic Park too many <laughs> times as a young <laughs>
1: child, it all comes back to that.
0: Let's go!
1: <laughs> it all comes back to that. Always that? comes
0: back to Jurassic Park. You're not going to be little Timmy. You're not going to get electrocuted. It's very simple to use. A solar charger. And
1: very effective.
0: And super effective for almost all your animals. Yeah. We Especially have if you done, don't have
1: too many animals already.
0: Here at this place, like you said, the only fencing we have done has been electric. There, There is some paddocks, woven wire for the goats and for the chickens. But even goats, you can totally electric fence. Right. And, and see, pigs. right? I mean,
1: so at least you know, for three seasons out of the year when you have a harsh winter like we do, the electric fencing works great.
0: Now, that's a good point. Electric fencing does not work so good through a winter. But even if you can electric fence semi-permanently for three, four, five months, Mm -hmm. it will help you figure out what permanent fence you should build. And even this year, our second year now on this homestead, we're not going to do much permanent fencing. We're going to up the level of semi permanentness because with electric fencing there's lots of different like really semi permanent, mm-hmm. totally portable, more permanent, but not completely. So we're gonna get a little bit more solidified, but not a whole lot. Yeah, we're gonna there's keep.
1: A, there's so many options.
0: Yeah, and it's not it's cheaper than that woven wire and T posts. And
1: it's, yeah. And easier.
0: With most livestock, it works better. Mm. A couple animals, certain few goats, I can remember didn't work. <laughs> That's too why well we don't have them anymore. Get though. rid of those goats.
1: Uh, other things. Okay. When we're talking about semi semi permanent infrastructure. Oh right, not just fencing. Not just fencing. Water. Water. water.
0: Yeah, water lines. I love a good frost free hydrant and a buried line. Yes. But if you don't know yet where that frost free hydrant should go. Because you don't have a fenced paddock yet. Right. Don't put up a frost-free hydrant yet.
1: Run your hose.
0: First thing we did at Squash Hollow was put a frost-free hydrant in the middle of our garden, which turned out to not ever be a garden. And it just meant we had this frost-free hydrant in the middle of like a livestock paddock. And the animals were banging on it and busting it and breaking it. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, electric.
1: (laughs) Same thing with electric. So run your hoses and your extension cords for your first 6 months
0: extension cords are kind of th- that a you can get harder. into trouble with but you can use solar for things like electric fencing mm-hmm. um, the only thing you're going to run into again winter time you're going to need more permanent solutions a place to plug in a heated water mm-hmm. but yeah running hoses and semi-permanent fence at least through the spring summer and fall is a great way to learn your property without spending too much money doing things wrong.
1: Yeah, so embrace that semi-permanent infrastructure.
0: Mm-hmm. And the nice thing is, when you then put up permanent infrastructure, you now use that semi-permanent to expand your homestead and learn about more areas of your homestead. So it never, it's always good.
1: Yeah. Now, if you're moving onto a property where you have a barn already, maybe already some permanent fencing that's, that's already installed, start by fixing what's already there. Point number two. It's three, actually. Is it three? Yeah. Take walks. Permanent Oh, we did that. We okay, just did that out Fix of Fix what border. you
0: have. Okay, so do.
1: What we, we said don't add new permanent infrastructure. But if you have permanent infrastructure already there, take the time and make it work well for you.
0: This is why we say don't put up new infrastructure. <laughs> because whatever's there needs fixed.
1: It needs maintained. We... Moved onto to this property. My my parents have lived here. My dad built everything on here.
0: He took care he of it? He took
1: care of it. It's been well maintained. But in the first nine months we've lived here, after the winter and the wind we had, we needed to put on a new barn roof.
0: And... If
1: we had already started by, like, building our, our cow shelter, our goat shelter, our new root cellar, and put money into that, and then our barn needs a new roof, that's more money we have to put there. So really make sure the permanent structures you have on your homestead are in good shape already because nothing will ruin your shelter faster than a leaking roof.
0: Back when I was working with my dad, repairing septic systems, replacing septic systems, one of the most frequent times we were called to a property to see what was wrong with the septic system was when a new family with kids bought a home that two older people previously lived in these two older people probably had kids themselves built this house had kids used the septic system for 40 years now they're two older people less water less less use less pressure the septic system's fine and then they leave and this young family with a whole Lots lot of, of kids, kids and
1: flush too much toilet flush, paper flush flush
0: flush and bath
1: water yeah. and all
0: that shows up and that system which had gotten used to two older people gets full and busts even though it
1: passed all the inspections sure right? it pass. looked
0: good to an inspector because the two old people weren't heavy users now that system is gone and for your big family, you need to replace it in a brand new septic system, which most people moving to a homestead are going to be on a septic system. A brand new septic system can be 10, 15, $20,000. And it won't really show that problem day one. It could take a month. It could take a year. I now have like a bunch of People who are going to spend the first year petrified uh, every day. Like,
1: septic oh, system. No. That's flush. how I feel right now. Go right? outside, kids.
0: We're a little worried our septic might be getting full. Full. So the point is not to have you scared of flushing your toilet. The point is you you just don't know what's going to break when your family moves in. Don't build a new barn to run out all your extra money to find out you need to replace a $15,000 septic system. The point is...
1: I was thinking about that YouTube video you did about um, the one that gets so much Oh, people hate hate. When you're saying like, look at the barn. These doors don't shut right and it's annoying. Want download
0: it? Yeah, say
1: open please. Uh, this needs
0: open. Let's go do Ladybug.
1: Alright, we'll wait for you.
0: When you first move on to a homestead or a farm, whether it's a brand new one, you're starting from scratch, or it's an existing one and you're just learning about it and uh, taking over it like we are, you don't want to have too many animals. Uh, Because there are so many things that you're not expecting that you're going to have to take care of and do and and fix and and figure out. Uh, If you're also at the same time having to feed and care for a bunch of animals, you're going to be in over your head. Alright, we got him. So this is another issue that I have to fix. And really soon because every day this just adds stress this door, it closes good from the bottom, but when you're out here and you close it from the bottom, you can't get back in. And it has this really handy little latch up here that will close it from the top. However, over time, I guess that spring is worn out. And so now that latch no longer keeps the door shut. So I can push it closed. and uh, it just pops right back open. Right now this door isn't working both ways and we're using a rock and that's just, I hate stuff like that. I hate working with bootleg infrastructure.
1: And people were like, you're such a you're so spoiled. But what you're saying is just fix these little things. Make it work really well for you. Because whoever's place you're moving on to, uh, you know, who knows what's going on with their life. and yeah why some of this stuff hasn't been fixed. Maybe it worked well for them or they liked it. They didn't
0: need it to work.
1: Yeah, they didn't use it. But yeah. now that you're there, these little things that pop up and bother you, just fix them. Focus on what you have. make it work really well for you.
0: It's our most negative commented video to date, I think. <laughs> and I was it was one of those days where we had just moved on to the place and I had to fix a few things and I couldn't find like, The tools you need to fix things because we had just moved. A lot of people didn't realize we already had farmed for like seven years. A lot of people watching that video think, oh, this guy just bought his first farm and he's already overwhelmed. (laughs) I was definitely overwhelmed because we had just moved and I had (laughs) a stomach bug for like a month. But the point of that video was, yeah, just don't get a bunch of new animals. Yeah, Don't show up to live your dream and buy a cow and a bunch of chickens, only to find out you're going to spend all day repairing that barn, fixing the roof, putting in a new septic system. Instead, be ready when you get to your new homestead to fix what is already there and already breaking. Then you can move on to building nice things.
1: Face it, everything's breaking, Everything's breaking. (laughs) Everything's breaking.
0: (laughs) As you get comfortable on your new homestead, As you fix a few things, take a few walks, eventually you're going to want to get out and see the local area. I hope so. (laughs) Eventually you're going to want to see society. (laughs) So the next thing you're going to want to do when you get to your new homestead is get to know your local area, your local farmers, and the local market if you're ever planning on building a homestead
1: business or farm business. your feed provider. Your vet, your large animal vet, all this stuff, your AI technician. Start talking, talk with the local farmers, find out who they use for all these things, figure out what your market is.
0: There's no better way to do this more efficiently than to just once a week go to your farmer's market. And we are really fortunate because not too far from us is an incredibly huge, awesome farmer's market with multiple vendors for anything you could possibly want.
1: Yeah.
0: And that's where you can find three or four different people to talk to about pigs, three or four different people to talk about feed suppliers. Hey. Butchers. One of the saddest things about moving was Losing seven years of contacts from our last homestead. The butcher that we relied on. The feed distributor we relied on. Just a place to go get shavings. Our hay delivery guy. I Mm -hmm. mean, we lost all that. We came here. We didn't know who to ask for anything.
1: Oh, sad. Our sad life.
0: (laughs) So you're going to need to find where do you buy shavings for your barn or Or can you get them them for for free free. (laughs) and the only place that you can go to find that many people is either the farmer's market or the other place I was thinking that we did pretty well with this was the county fair yes
1: that's what I thought too
0: in the fall depending on where you move there might be some county fairs and uh they're a great place to do some networking
1: yeah
0: I found a good pig source who I might be calling in a couple weeks to get a couple Oh. Or at least to plan on getting a couple. We'll see. I got to work on some infrastructure first. I have some things to that, fix. That's what we've been up to for the last year. We, we have, have not.
1: Moved.
0: We have not been building new infrastructure. We have not been getting new animals, and we have definitely not made any money.
1: We have been fixing the infrastructure we've, we have we have been taking care of the animals we already have and for some it may seem like we haven't been doing much farming cuz we've been doing more moving <laughs> does feel like that this year that's
0: what it'll feel like to you too eventually we're going to farm <laughs> i mean we've been farming but
1: it's just yeah kind of been maintenance farming right moving yeah. moving some of the things forward
0: so we do have a lot of going on and now we're going to be getting into the second year on our homestead which is really the one where any of you who are following along at home who are thinking about doing this uh, that second year is where you kind of amp things up a little bit because you've had enough experience and time to know you're still going to learn and still going to make some mistakes but at least there'll be less (laughs) so what is our second year on our pennsylvania homestead slash farm going to be like what are we going to do
1: We'll talk about that in the next podcast.
0: The next episode of the Home Study Podcast. Which, if you want to make sure it comes out, Home Pioneers—that's the way to support the show and ensure that we can keep producing this podcast every month, as well as our YouTube videos. So check out our YouTube videos and let us know. Uh, email us Aust at thisishomestudy dot com or comment here on YouTube. The audio, the whole show. You watched the last one where we were in the other studio. Has this audio been better, worse? Has this show been better, worse? What is your thoughts? I did only two cameras this time, not three. I don't
1: have that aura around me. Yeah, right. the
0: days of our lives, haze of our lives. <laughs> Let us know what you think about these two podcast episodes today. I, I personally think the next podcast is going to be back at the studio with us looking at each other. Mm-hmm. I like I like all that charisma when we look at each other. Hmm?
1: comment below on our charisma